Welcome to another edition of the Vitology Podcast, brought to you by Manu Faith, brought to you by Ryan Paulson. Hi, I'm Ryan. And and I'm Josh. You're Josh. And uh, Ryan, you it, ready for this? I am as ready as I'm going to be. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I asked him that right before we started. And, uh, and you know, we're as ready as maybe ever. That's not saying much. <laughs> Just kidding. Just no, kidding. no, no, no. We are we are very ready. In fact, uh, what I love about this is that this is a time to process hours and hours and hours of study. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that that is funny that people sometimes people ask. Have you been asked this? Like um, <laughs> after preaching, somebody once came to me and said, "Like, wow, that was that was really good. Did did you like prepare for that?" <laughs> <laughs> as if I just That's walked awesome. up and started speaking like that. Yeah. Um, and yes, there is quite a lot of preparation. There is. There is. And, uh, and this is an opportunity to kind of dive back into the preparation. And you, at home, get some of the inside pieces, some of the, 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 the stuff that doesn't make the cut, which is often really, really good. Well, it's and there's a lot of it normally. You yes. know, there's a lot on the cutting room floor. So yes, yeah, I've I, you know I've often thought that the art of preaching is is actually not necessarily just knowing what to say, but what not to say as well. Yeah, and that's that's harder. There's an oh, adage yes. in preaching um, that says, uh, "If you want me to speak for forty minutes, give me ten hours to prepare." <laughs> yes. Um, and if you want me to speak for ten hours, ten minutes, give me forty hours. Yeah. You know, so yes. it's like that idea of to say um, less and concisely with as much impact is a challenge, yeah, which is yeah. why, you know, everybody sort of um, compares preaching to TED Talks, right? Uh-huh. And TED Talks are typically 18 minutes long. And, but they spend like months and months and months writing these talks, Absolutely. you know? And so Absolutely. Um, that's not an excuse. It's just a reality. It's a reality. It is. So, it is. Yeah. 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 And, and so you don't get months and months. I don't. You I don't. Get, I get days and days. Days and days in hours. One, one day in office is what I take. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. One day in office. Yeah. Actually, I guess now, post, post-COVID, post are we post-COVID? We are. <laughs> I get. Uh, I, I have um, a day and a half. A day so. and a half now. Good. So praise the Lord. A day that you, you it's a, the study getting, do you get most of it done? If I get, so Monday's my writing day. Um, if I walk out of the office anywhere between like 50 and 70% done, I'm pretty happy. Okay. Do you feel like, do you end up working to an outline or do you work to a sermon and then go back and find the outline? I work, uh, I, I think in outlines. I'm pretty, do, I'm yeah. a pretty linear thinker. Um, so I usually have my outline first and okay. then I, it morphs into a sermon. Okay. And now here I, I've, uh, started writing them out, you know, yeah. I, I started doing that before I got here, but I just, it's, it's a good discipline for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. do you write them out? Are you a I do. script guy? I do write yeah. them out. In fact, I think I kind of work the opposite that I, I'll kind of get, it's hard for me to, to declare an outline. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, we just opened Trademark. the LaCroix. Trademark. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but that was uh, this message brought to you by LaCroix. No, it's not. I mean, but if you want to sponsor us, LaCroix, we'd be Please. happy to accept your money. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What was I saying? Oh, yes. Um, I, I, I find it hard to declare my outline before I see the end. I've got to get, I've got to, I've got to feel oh, yeah, like I've got yeah. the whole thing. 
and, and maybe that's just my, um, I have a difficulty with commitment. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes <laughs> or sense. like ending. Yeah. I, I, that, still... that would make sense as to why it <laughs> worked that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. The, yeah. It, it's like, okay, I see it all. And then, okay. Yeah. As if I, sometimes I'm still figuring out where I was going with this. Thought. Right. And so the art, I mean, the. the it's like the, Michael Scott when he says, you know, sometimes I start a sentence and I'm not sure where it's going to end up, but I <laughs> usually find it along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, thanks. <laughs> You can call me the Michael Scott. <laughs> I don't know if that's homiletics, a compliment. Homiletics from Michael Scott. <laughs> thank you. I don't know yes. if that's a compliment. Or... Oh, it is. Oh, it thank absolutely you. is. 100%. <laughs> yep. Yep. So anyway, that's good. Well, that's interesting to, that's interesting to, to hear about that. But that's all that is to point out you know, what this is all about, what we spend our time doing, unless, unless we get some you know, outstanding questions from you all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, I, I didn't have any extra questions. I don't know if you got any this time that were um, specifically about not, this not message. specifically about this. You know, we get questions all the time about everything else. Right. About all which sorts of things going on, which those. is great. Yep. We take those. But uh, but so today we're going to we're going to dive back into uh, magnify. Yeah. This is a cool, cool word. I, I love the opening. Baseball, baseball's life is life. Baseball's life. The rest is just details. Yeah, yeah. I like your mom's. Your mom's <laughs> pay statement. attention to the details. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, as as a, say, this is all wrong. <laughs> I really wanted as a high school kid, man. I was like all in on baseball. Right? I, I was convinced I was going to make it to the majors or at least play uh, Division One ball. Um, as a junior in high school, uh, I set our school ERA record. And, um, had a, like, but that was my pinnacle. Let's just be clear. I, I peaked <laughs> junior, year. junior year. Of high school. Um, I sent out 152 letters to division one schools. Really? I mean, just like, or, and, and division two, but just like, I just wanted to play baseball. So, okay. um, and then, you know, so as the story goes, got injured and had a terrible senior year and, uh, those no. dreams were okay. dashed. So you so, got injured when, when did you get injured? Uh, first game of my senior year. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. This Picked is up the, a ball, threw it sort of sidearm underhand, like against my body and just felt something pop. And you fielded a ball. Yeah. Like I was, yeah. So I you're picked pitching. up a ball. No, I wasn't actually oh, okay. pitching that okay. game. I picked up a ball and just sort of threw it in Got against it. my body. And that was done. Wow. So, I mean, I still pitched and still played and still, but I lost, you know, uh, and, almost five miles an hour on my fastball. And so it was, uh, it was tough anyway. Dang. So maybe that's a good thing for us. This week I'm going to talk about, um, storms and strength. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about sometimes the way that the storm turns into strength is because God starts writing the story and we're out of control. And so I think for, as I look back on my life, that's an example of one of the ways God did that is he really, uh, shaped that my college experience in a way that shaped the trajectory of my life. But if I could have written the story, I would have written it a lot different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, you'd be, you'd be pitching right now for, at the time it would have, would it have been the. Uh, would would have been the Rockies, uh, the Colorado Rockies, which would have that's been a pitching graveyard. I don't. Nobody. Yeah, wants no to one pitch wants in Colorado, that. No. So, <laughs> so good thing, good thing, good thing, yeah. good thing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but you'd be you'd be done and retired by now. I'm I would. Sorry. I would. And uh, and now here you are. So that's good. I, that's interesting. That's great. So yeah, we so, so I, I wanted to try to, you know, idolatry sort of a rough term. Yes. I wanted to make it feel uh, a little bit more personable in the sense that like people could relate, right? Yeah. So I think if we're honest, but one of my one of my sort of presuppositions in the message that I talked about, but I just want to name here for us also is that I think sometimes our idols can feel fairly normal, right? They can mm. just feel like life and this is what everybody does and we wouldn't really name it idolatry. And yet if it were taken away from us, it would totally crush us. Yeah. And um, so that I wanted to really encourage people to wrestle with, is there anything in that spot that this thing is life? The rest is just details um, other than, other than God. Yeah. Um, so one of the people uh, I should have brought this book to show you, but one of the people that have been the most influential in my life thinking this way is Tim Keller. Yeah. I think he's, uh, he's just the foremost voice in what does it look like to wrestle with our idols? And, yeah. um, by the way, so book plug, okay. uh, Come on. plug. It, if you haven't read counterfeit gods yeah. by Tim Keller, I highly recommend it. And what he says in that book, and I think he's right. He says there's three primary, um, essentially primary idols that we tend to gravitate towards, um, sex, power, and money. Yeah. And so when I was sort of going through a, Hey, well, it's harder for us because we don't name these gods like they used to in the ancient world. I named mammon money. I named mm -hmm. Aphrodite mm -hmm. sex and I named Mars or the power yeah. war. Yeah. And, um, as a way to sort of, it was a wink and a nod to Keller's work because I think he's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you're suggesting is back then they, uh, they they recognize in, in a sense they recognize that those were our big driving forces that people give themselves mm -hmm. to and they just went ahead and said well that's a god we're gonna worship we're that. gonna worship that thing yeah and whereas here in our time and age we still quote unquote worship those things without without bowing down to them without making rituals about them without making it religious necessarily right but we still worship those same lowercase gods absolutely yeah i mean i think so what do you think no i i i mean i think that's definitely that's definitely the case i mean i think that that uh our world is driven by the pursuit of money yeah um by the pursuit of power and uh and yeah and and definitely the pursuit of sex i mean that that mm -hmm. is that's definitely what so many people get lost in and it's and it's the type of thing that that can take away life Mm -hmm. that is the and, and that's the thing that we i think we deal with and with people all the time is in counseling situations and seeing people get um, lose their way yeah and lose the way in a sense mm -hmm. right that as they start pursuing the wrong things right yeah and i mean working with people coming out of addictions and that's that sort of a, a way that we see it in a sort of microca microcosm of yeah. a whole, but just going all in on trying to make something work, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Making life work. And um, the thing with idols is they have no life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they let you down. And if we look to them for life, they will be gravely disappointing yeah. um, eventually. 
And, um, and that's part of Keller's work too, is he's working with mm. uh, high profile professionals in New York city and they're under the, uh, illusion that they actually, that their idols are actually fulfilling. Yeah. And his work is to try to get to the heart of it enough to go, actually, someday it won't. Yeah. Someday it's going to let you down. Yeah. And but it's interesting that we've we've kind of we've gotten rid of the baggage of the the make-believe gods, right? So so we think that it's better somehow because you know, not like in you know Greek and Roman society when they named those gods. We kind of look back at them and think, oh, how little they understood. Right, how primitive. How primitive. They were worshiping these gods. And yet there's a lot of people in our time and age that are doing the very same thing, maybe even more so because they're not naming it. Right. Because, I, I mean, I, I got to believe that, okay, the way they talked about the gods back then was pretty crazy. And and it's not like they were, like people were just dumber back then mm -hmm. and really believed those things, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, they probably understood that those were, you know, some sort of metaphors and, you know, there was more going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. They got that and probably with a wink and a nod, mm -hmm. realized what was going on there. But nowadays we don't even consider that it's wrong. And Our, that was part of my point is in, hmm that it's sort of just the air that we breathe. It's, it's just the way life is. Yeah. And um, so I tied in that famous David Foster Wallace yeah. quote about, you know, two fish looking at each other and going, yeah. well, what someone asks, how's What's the water that? today? And they swim away and go, what's water, what's you know, water. Um, but that I think is how we feel oftentimes about, about our idols. So yeah. anyway, this message huh. was about repentance. Um, and uh, it was specifically about the Ephesians, the Ephesian church's repentance. And one of the things that stood out to me, Josh, that I didn't really have time to tackle mm -hmm. um, was the fact that it was uh, the church that was repenting in Ephesians and, hmm. um, or sorry, in, in Acts chapter uh, 19, 19, it says, yeah. and many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. So they become believers. It wasn't that they confessed in order to become believers. They were already believers and God was doing work on them. Yeah. And um, so maybe even some of these things were things that they didn't lay down initially, um, that somehow they maybe even started with more of a syncretist view of what it looked like to be a Christian. I can have, I can have my, um, uh, uh, idol and I can have Jesus. I can have, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting your yeah. name. Diana. Uh, I said it Aphrodite. about a thousand. Aphrodite. Uh, no, no, no. She. Wait, wait. <laughs> Artemis. Said... Artemis. Gosh, Artemis. I'm like total brain <laughs> fart. We'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't, don't edit. We don't edit. Out. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's. Yeah, yeah, Artemis. I can have Artemis and I can have Jesus, but at some point the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them or. Um, I, I really started to see as I got into this more, this connection to the power of God on display and the fear that that evoked. And then they went, oh, goodness, mm -hmm. we need to take this a lot more mm -hmm. seriously than maybe we did at first. Yeah. So. Yeah. So now, but yeah, and I apologize for not knowing all the gods and goddesses, um, <laughs> but I'm glad we don't necessarily, but, but what are you suggesting then that 
Christians can have idols. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because here they are repenting of their idols. Mm -hmm. um, that 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 that's something that's something that that we struggle with. Yeah. That we uh, kind of put stuff alongside of of God or put an overemphasis on something. And when when do you think that becomes an idol? I, you know, that's a great question. When it's something that we trust in more than we trust in God, hmm. but to actually be able to name when that happens, that's a tough one. Yeah. I, I think because uh, it feels normal, because it can feel right. And I wonder too, like the um, church in Ephesus is one of the most, if not the most well-documented churches in the yeah. entire New Testament. I mean, yeah, Paul's there church, for yeah. roughly three years. He writes a letter to them. And then um, they're included in the book of Revelation too. Yeah. Do you have that yeah. up? Is that what you're... I can go. No. Well, I, I can get it too. Um, so they're in. They're the first church mentioned in Revelation yeah. chapter two yeah. that Jesus writes to. And I just, I wonder if um, hmm. they, other things became idols to yeah, them, interesting. right? Yeah, because they, yeah. he says, you know, writing to them, but I have this against you. You've, um, oh, sorry. Oh. Here, I'll start with the beginning. It says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, have found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently, bearing up for my name's sake, and you've not grown weary. So hmm. you wonder if, if doing things in the right way and having good theology, as it were, hmm. um, almost became an idol for oh, wow. the church in Ephesus. Yeah. And like, so. Because they've, they've tested the, the the apostles, the ones that were claiming to be apostles. And, right. And that church was good at, at uh, they had their doctrine down. So they were able to say, no, that's wrong. And right. This is right. And it wasn't that they were off base there, I don't think. Uh, that's not no, how it didn't seem Jesus, Like they were. Sticking the dismount there. Yeah. This, yeah. Because this is Jesus. Yeah. This is Jesus, Jesus speaking, speaking yep. to them. And uh, yeah, you're right. It doesn't sound like that Jesus is uh, upset at them about that. Right. Hmm. So it's, and then he goes in verse four and says, but I have this against you that you've abandoned the love you had at first. I think what he's saying uh -huh. is like, actually good doctrine became the primary thing. If they're good doctrine is life, the rest is just details. Yeah. 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 Um, and interesting instead of an affection and relationship with the living king jesus so um i, I don't know for sure that it, he doesn't call it an idol or name it as such but it is interesting that while they get rid of artemis over the course of however many years right something else starts to take her place and it yeah. seems like maybe it's good doctrine and interesting that um in in Christian circles, um, I often hear about people, um, uh, and, and let me say this, that, that uh, Christians complaining about people abandoning something, mm -hmm. they'll say that they abandoned their faith, they abandoned their, the truth, things like that. Yep. And what Jesus' worry is, is, they, is that you have abandoned the love that you had yeah. at first. That's interesting. That Jesus is is more interested in the way they behave towards people mm -hmm. towards, I mean, towards himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a, it's a relational word, not a doctrinal word. It's not that they, they lost the way they were thinking. 
-hmm. but something about the way that they're living. Yeah. That's interesting. That, that, is, that is interesting. Huh. You abandon the love. Yeah. It, I, all sorts of applications for us. I mean, Absolutely. and just saying, all right, that's another, <laughs> another thing to ask, like, Lord, all right, have I put good doctrine in front of relationship with you? And yeah. like, just, let's just be clear. Um, good doctrine is way better than bad doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, we want to have good doctrine, um, but we want to love Jesus. Yeah. And um, so I think that Jesus teasing that out in this letter to the church at Ephesus is fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So his, his advice to them is repent and do the work you did at first. Yeah. Go back to the beginnings. Right. I, I love that. And this is a church, like you said, I mean, they had the Apostle Paul live there right. for longer than, it seems, longer than any church that we know of, at least. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, now Jesus is saying, okay, go back to the go back to the basics. I think that's a good, that's a good word from Jesus. It is. To say, it is. You know, you almost don't, you don't get past love. Yep. You, just, I would love people. It's not like that ever goes away. Right. That's good. That's really And just, good. and I mean, like I said before, um, having bad doctrine is not loving. Um, but I guess you can have good doctrine, but not be loving. Right. And so yes. I, I, that is yes, just something to good. wrestle with and attention to hold. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So anyway. that that can become an idol for Christians that in a sense, um, some, I mean, religion, mm -hmm. if that's, cause that, that's what I, I'm, it's striking me about this, that, um, Obviously, because like you just said, believing the right thing about God is important. Yeah. And I mean, you know, let's just go to knowing that that you're you're actually in relationship with the right God, not something else. Right. Because I think that's that's possible. Yeah. That yeah. we can believe in the wrong, you know, <laughs> uh, the the devil masquerades as an angel of light. In the, right. In yeah. a sense. So this is where um, you, you need to. You need to have something that ties you to the truth. And yet, if being so caring about that doctrine beyond, I mean, so much that that uh, my being right and wrong mm -hmm. is what is what I'm I'm tied to instead of the person yeah. that, it, that it's about, that the doctrine's about, that it can end up That's being. That's a good way. That's a good sort of discernment piece. Do I care more about being right? Mm. Or do I care more about engaging and winning over this person and, yeah. and pointing them to Jesus? Yeah. Do I want? Yeah. Do I just want to be right for me? Yeah. Or do I want to lead them to the truth whose name is Jesus? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So yeah. I, I really just wanted to do three things in the message, uh, Josh. One was to. Talk, I wanted to talk really about the process of what does it look like to magnify Jesus? So mm -hmm. what does it look like to lift him high? And there were three things that I wanted to talk about. Repentance, renewal, and it starts with an R again. <gasps> I know it's shocking that it would. <laughs> renewal and, and resilience. resilience. And so uh, those are the three sort of categories that I wanted to invite people to think in as far as um, what does it really look like to magnify? Because I yeah. think uh, sometimes 
we talk about, especially at church, we talk about words and um, assume people know, okay, yeah, I got to magnify Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And we just walk out going, let's all do that. Let's magnify Jesus. But in the back of our mind, we're probably going, what does that look like? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. And so I just wanted to sort of put some stakes in the ground for us and go, well, what it means, like practically speaking, is that we repent. Yeah. Jesus is magnified as we turn from lesser things to the living and true God. Um, it Jesus is magnified when we're renewed mm -hmm. um, and when we experience the freedom and others do that he designed us to live in. Yeah. And then uh, Jesus is magnified in our life as we stand resilient against the um, onslaughts that mm. uh, whether it's culture or the world, the flesh, the devil, however we want to look at it, throws at us that he's mm -hmm. magnified when we stand resilient. Yeah. I really like the the uh, analogy used of the um, the telescope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The telescope that that I think you put it that um, that we're all born with a telescope in a yeah. sense. Right now, that telescope, it sounds I mean, it seems like that telescope can magnify um, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so we're designed to magnify something. Right. And yeah. And I also like, so, I mean, okay, I think, you know, obviously we can magnify these, these other gods, right. Or we can magnify, magnify other idols of some sort, mm -hmm. but I think you put it this way too, right. You could turn it on yourself yeah. as well. Yeah. And we can magnify ourselves. Yeah. We become the object. Yes. Cause if you yeah. turn that, that magnifying glass the other way around, then the other thing gets real small. Right. But actually you end up becoming bigger, bigger. in some sense. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point that we ourselves can can be our own idol. Yeah, I think in so many huh. ways that's the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah, I think I was they just thinking that. I think huh. they become the object of their <laughs> their own affection and that yeah. they're sort of on the throne of their life going well we we actually yeah, we we want to be able to decide good and evil, to know good and evil. We want to make that call on our own. Yeah. Um rather than having to trust God and become disciples and have him teach us and learn, we want to make those calls. I think that's what they did originally mm. in the garden. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I see that. that they ended up, so they turned that, that magnifying lens on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's where repentance is a changing, uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, <laughs> changing of your mind but you could think about it as changing and turning of the, the telescope yeah. in a sense. So yeah, it's rotation so. of the telescope onto the right thing or moving it from point A to point B, right? Point B, sure. <laughs> from, from somewhere that it's not supposed to be toward, towards God. Yep. And I've talked about it on, on this show and from the pulpit and uh, I, I anytime I can, but I think repent is one of the uh, most beautiful words in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, Jesus is giving us an invitation uh, to build our lives around truth rather than a lie. Yes. And that's always a good thing. That's mm -hmm. always a good thing. Um, Dallas Willard said that truth is what you run into when you find out you're wrong. And so, I mean, to repent is to say, like, I actually want to build my life around something that's substantive and life-giving. And yeah. When Jesus gives the invitation to repent, what implicit within that is the ability to do so, yeah, right? That yeah. you can do this, you can change. And the offer is available to, to every single one of us. Yeah. So and, and I love the I love the hope there, you know, because yeah. the thing is, 
there's um, I think that that a lot of worldviews and, and and especially even in like a very scientific worldview that that sees that sees human life that sees the world as only um, only mechanical mm-hmm. or only the stuff that yeah, just can the physical actually, material yeah, yeah. That there's it can end up being very kind of deterministic in other words meaning like like the things that 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 go on in my brain are all determined and it's all just the synapses going from one to the mm-hmm. other and it all was affected because of something that happened to me as a kid right right that we're stuck in our ways and 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 to be clear that it takes it takes a lot to break some of those habits and to break some of those things but what jesus is getting at what scriptures are telling us is that that there is hope Mm-hmm. to actually change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's something you you've helped me to 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 notice in this is that 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 offer of repentance is not just a negative you've been bad. Right. I think I've often seen it that way. And I don't know about you guys if if you've seen repentance that way of 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 you know repent meaning I'm bad. I've done terrible things and I need to you know, I have to repent now as if it's an offer, not an offer. It's a condemnation. Mm-hmm. But if you start looking at it the other way and seeing that, no, repent is an invitation because because God believes you can. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I really like that. And, and I wish I would have had more time. But in Acts chapter three, verse 19, um, it says this Peter, Peter speaking and um, he says, Repent, therefore, turn back hmm. that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the uh, Lord. And that was like, our word. Yeah. Like, Dang it, I missed <laughs> refreshing. refreshing. Um, yeah. But I, I think there's this like, yeah, it's not repent. Oh, gosh, I have to repent. It's, oh, repent. Okay. The, so there's an opportunity to reorient my life around truth rather than a lie that will bring refreshing to my soul. Okay. Yeah. Where do I sign up for that? Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, my hope is that we can redeem that word a little bit and maybe people don't envision it on signs at football games, but just with the loving eyes of Jesus yes. saying, yeah, that was a gosh, good... refreshing is I want to bring refreshing through my presence. Yeah. I just think that's good. That's yeah. good stuff. Cause I don't think that the other way works. No. <laughs> well, I, it's out of it's 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 it. I don't think it does work because it's not biblical, right? Like, totally, totally. Throughout the scriptures, it's the kindness of the Lord oh, that Lord, leads yes. us to repentance. Yes, and so I mean, when when we make God out to be angry, calling for repentance, totally. we actually are missing the picture that the scriptures really get, which is it's his kindness, it's his yes. goodness, it's his love that calls us to repentance. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard a conversion story of someone saying, oh man, this guy got really mad at me because of my sin. And he yelled at me, repent. And so I did. And now I, I don't, this is yeah. not a story you hear. No, they, they might be out there, but I'm with you. I haven't heard it. Uh, I know. So Interesting. Yeah. If it is, it's far and few between. And, uh, and that, I mean, that's just a minor thing. I want to go with what works. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and that's clearly the way that, that God does it. It's not necessarily the way that we would do it. And that, right. I think that's, that right there is a good, um, is a good point. When we find a way, we find something that it's like, yeah, 
I wouldn't do it that way. When we see it in the Bible and God recommends it, it's mm -hmm. usually because it's the better way. Yeah, it's interesting because there's um there there are movements that are built around like guilt and shame, yeah. right? And there's those do well for a time, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, what was it? John Tetzel that said a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs, springs right? right? It's like, if I can guilt people into feeling bad, then I can guilt them into giving money. And, you know, and that, that all tied into the way that they viewed grace and God. Mm, and, yeah. but essentially there was this whole idea that they were building around that was, um, well, you, uh, this idea of God being like God being angry, angry. Yeah. Right? So yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, but it, it it never lasts. It doesn't bear fruit. It doesn't bear fruit that lasts because it's yeah. not the way that the scriptures um, invite us to walk in repentance. I know. So and and that's and it's one of those things that, I, and I think, and I'm glad that even in the word repentance that you're turning that around a little bit because I do I think that's a it's a great observation that that it's it's gotten the repentance has gotten a bad rap in a sense right right that that it needs to be reclaimed from the angry god theology mm -hmm. that's out there that because just to be clear it, it if it doesn't look like jesus it's it's not it's not god mm -hmm. it's not of god and so when you see those angry representations of people that even use scripture to be angry and come across in a way that's not the way of Jesus. It's just, it's not Jesus, right? It's not of Jesus, right? Yeah. And I, I would say that Jesus certainly gets angry at sin because he loves his creation and designed his creation to experience his shalom. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that's an interesting sort of dynamic there. One of the passages that's just come into my head is uh, Second Second Corinthians chapter seven. It says, "For godly grief, so there is a grief and a Sadness, sorrow, yeah, yeah. produces repentance. So there, there's a place for us to go. Man, I've really screwed this up, mm -hmm. and um, and I've I've ruined some of the life that God's designed me to live." Uh, it produces uh, repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So it's sort of like where the godly grief yeah. leads us to repent, right? Yeah. Um, leads us to change our mind yeah. and go, oh, I'm going a different direction. Now, worldly grief uh, doesn't actually cause us to change our mind, yes. doesn't cause us to repent doesn't lead us to God's kindness yes. and his goodness and his huh. love. It's just sort of that cul-de-sac of, um, of sorrow. <laughs> cul-de-sac of sorrow. Yeah. That's good. Going that's good imagery. I don't know. Oh yeah. That I think that works. That totally does. I love it. It just ends there. <laughs> it ends there. It ends there. You're stuck yeah. there. Yeah. There's no going through it. Yep. You know, Oh, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a good illustration. I like that a lot. Yeah. So that, that's, a little bit about repentance. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and to be clear, Jesus did get angry. Yeah, yeah. But it was his anger was at the people who were supposed to know better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it was the people who were claiming the name of, of, of his father in a sense of Yahweh. Um, 
that were the religious leaders who were um, who were using it to their own advantage. I mean, a number of different things who were, you know, um, who were manipulating. Th those were the ones that Jesus was mad at. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm I'm saying this right now, and I'm pretty sure that I, I don't. I don't think of. I can't think of a single time when he's angry at somebody who is who is not a believer or who is the poor right who is the downcast who... yeah that's interesting yeah i think you're right um and other than like death <laughs> he gets angry at yes. um at lazarus's tomb in john 11 yeah um but that yeah. i wouldn't weeping that, yeah yeah that's not a, a person that no 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 so to think about that one but it's interesting yeah hmm. it's all about um how you read the tone right because some people would read oh you have little faith when he's talking to his uh -huh, disciples uh -huh. as you know jesus is angry with them but i don't read those that way that way either no 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 so well i mean if so he's mad at the disciples quite a bit <laughs> because it's usually True. at them but then again there are also the ones where he might think you should know by Come now on, guys <laughs> we've guys. been over this <laughs> um <laughs> praying yeah. to his father like I, i'm gonna need more than three ears with no, these guys he does say how long <laughs> am i gonna put up with you, <laughs> you not, are, are you surprised at the kind of progress they're making <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh, and goodness. i'm just glad that it wasn't me there you go <laughs> Amen. Because you would have said the same been. Oh, yeah. thing. I'm All right. Sure. So let me just point out one okay. last thing, and yeah, then um, we can jump into something else. But oh, wow. um, I I was really fascinated by the way that this idea of resilience and the things that the early believers in Ephesus needed to stand up against. And so I just tr sort of yeah. tried to identify two things. Um, one was the numbers. So it's the, the crowds that start to gather around them. And I just had this hmm, sort of picture in my mind of, uh, you know, or voice in my head, everybody else is doing this. Everybody's <laughs> going this direction. Everybody's saying, uh, you know, and the crowd has a tendency to wear. Yeah. Masks. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And I can just imagine, you know, if the, the, I don't, we don't know how many people were there. It doesn't say in the text, but the theater held 25,000 people yeah. and, it's, you know, a riot that's going on for two hours. You yeah. start to go, gosh, that's quite the, quite the scene. And they're all chanting. And they're all chanting. Chanting. And so you kind of, you'd, you'd feel weird not to join in. Totally. Can I just yeah, yeah, add yeah. something in yeah. really quick? Um, something happened to me that made me probably seem a little bit more intentional than I actually am. Um, there's this... <laughs> It, uh, there is a line where it said um, in uh, uh, it's uh, about talking about Artemis. Okay. It says um, verse 27, there's danger. Not only that this trade of ours might come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis might be counted as nothing and that she may be disposed of her magnificence. magnificence. She whom all Asia and the world worship. And I titled this message, Magnify the Magnificent. Yes. Um, 
before I even noticed that that was part of the description of Artemis. So um, as I was reading back through my message, I'm like, or back through this text in preparation, after I'd already put my notes in and everything, I'm like, oh, they call her the Magnificent. I'm like, piss pump the air. Yes, love it when stuff like that happens. <laughs> But I'm not that smart. It, it's not. So that it was, was totally an accident. Accidental. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you read it and got well, that did, word. And but, I know you yeah, did. But how funny. That's, that's really neat. Anyway. Because that and it must be the same because it's the same word. I'm sure. That, yeah. So that that I'm guessing there's some intention there even by. I'm sure by Luke. Luke is sort of dancing with that idea. He's he totally playing is. off it like they're going to magnify Jesus. Uh, but this whole group of people is saying that she's the magnificent. She's, yes. Oh yes, okay. and and you gotta love what history did to that, what, to, 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 to to her, yeah, because um because that that came true. All of those worries that they had, that uh, you know, that sure enough, that the great goddess, that the temple, the great goddess Artemis. Now I I don't know which one, if that one is still standing or not. I haven't been there, um, I but I know it's in, it's not looking very good. If it is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so it's definitely has has doesn't have the grandeur that it did, and that she is definitely disposed uh, deposed. Sorry, from her magnificence, at no least no doubt, at least in the as, as the name, yeah. Artemis, right? Yeah, it's sort of like huh. yeah, one of the only times you'd probably hear about Artemis is in a sermon about acts 19 which is really about jesus which right? is really about jesus which <laughs> yeah is, the irony also is like the only time you hear about caesar augustus is when you tell the story totally. of jesus's birth you know totally. like what like, yes wait talk about a plot twist yes anybody at the time <laughs> of jesus who were living who would have you know ever had the thought like who are people going to be talking about in 2000 yeah. years right they all would have said caesar augustus right <laughs> Every single one of them. Well, the only guy, the only guy that they're going to be talking about is that guy. Yeah. If if there is any guy, not this penniless carpenter, right? Right. That, yep. that was walking around teaching. Yeah, so and they didn't even. Is it? Is it? It wasn't Caesar, not Augustus. They knew Augustus, but but uh, Caesar. Anyway, there's so many of these characters in scripture that. They didn't verify until years later. Oh, yeah. They have scraps of evidence about these people that that they even existed mm -hmm. outside of scripture. Yep. And, and it's all come and there is evidence and they've verified that they did exist. And yet it was that we know them and we talk about them because, because of, of Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. That is great. Yeah. yeah. Artemis gets more press because of this passage. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's really pointing out the exact opposite. and yet That's her great. temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world yeah yeah i mean was yeah was yeah yeah Ooh, that's good and and here jesus jesus will be the the center of the yeah of the world right you know i mean that's the Amen. that's that's what's gonna happen that's neat yep so the first, so the first temptation like to be numbers. resilient against was numbers. Um, the second was emotion because hmm. the, just the scene in Acts 19 is, is priceless, right? Yeah. Where you have all these people gathering to, for this riot and they look at each other and they didn't know <laughs> they why they come why. together. <laughs> like such, chanting. such crowd think. It's brilliant. I mean, this is, this is, let me just say another thing that I, about scripture. What I love is that you can't make that up. 
You can't. That, I mean, that's just the stuff. That's yep. the way it is. We we've seen that. We've seen groups like that. We know that's the what. what this happens. felt like a weekly occurrence during COVID <laughs> at times. Like we're all fired up. What are we fired up about? Yeah. What what's this? What are we fired yeah. up about this week? You know? Oh yes. Like, oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's get fired up. Oh, um, yes. it, I mean, it just happens though. Yeah. Was it uh, Soren Kierkegaard that said uh, the crowd is untruth? Oh, yeah. And sort did. of this idea of like yeah. the pull of the masses typically moves toward uh, untruth. Yep. And you can almost just see it. It's oh, just yeah. playing out for two hours. Yeah. They chant um, about Artemis, but they don't really know why they're there. Anyway, I just wanted to point out that that emotional tug of being surrounded by the numbers, but also this rising... Um, voice that's getting louder and louder and louder and it's extending longer hmm. that's that that's an emotional tug that i think we feel oh yeah absolutely absolutely and oh my goodness i, I think that's such a both those things are such a part of human nature yeah they are sense. and uh and not to not to pick on my kids because it's not just my kids but I, I happen to have a teenager in the house and then one like on the way. You mm -hmm. have you have one on the way, almost mm -hmm. there. And uh and that stage, it's like all of the human nature is amplified. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like yes. it's all there and it's just oozing out of them at times. But that 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 thing about the numbers, everybody's doing it. I forgot how much you hear that oh, in a household. Just, I'll just get ready. Oh my yeah. goodness. And then the the just raw emotion at times. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's there. Then you're like, sorry, I have to stand with resilience. Yeah. I'm, I am <laughs> learning from go. the Ephesians that numbers and emotions are not yes. to take me off course. And that works every time. I will continue to magnify <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right i mean it's definitely not in me it's only no. in my kids i'll I, just yeah, say that absolutely, yeah, absolutely. yep yep <laughs> that's true no but we it, it's it's amazing how we deal with that we all do i think those are great great points to to bring out so um okay so we're 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 early today because we've got some uh some those teenagers moving into the junior high group at church. Oh, so exciting. All of our summer stuff is starting up, you guys, around here. It's great. And it's great to, to feel like this is going to be a fair, fairly normal summer. I don't think I that so. works. But, I but, hope so. But that's just what people do. But yeah. uh, the, the, the we've, got, we've got stuff starting around here. And so our kids, so um, your oldest, my, my middle, are going into the junior high junior group. high group that's really cool yeah so can't wait so that's why we're uh we're doing this now we're going to be joining them in a little bit here but um hey uh we've got just a few more minutes left but you brought a book for a brand new segment yeah well brand new segment of the called... vitology podcast called ryan brought a book ryan brought a book <laughs> That's what, let's call it that that's what i'm gonna call it now and when it's your turn <laughs> josh, josh brought, brought a book. book there you go we'll do it um so uh, ryan you brought <laughs> you brought a book i wish we had a, a jingle that's for awesome. that but, well um, next week next okay. time <laughs> next okay time. so um there's uh, the book here's the book um the book is called After Doubt, 
by AJ Savoda. Okay, I'm gonna put that in the comments. And here. Um, AJ's a he's a PhD, former pastor in Portland, but now he's doing uh, mostly teaching at seminary level. Um, but just a brilliant guy. Uh, so let me just first off say I highly recommend this book. Yeah. Um, the topic of the book is what might be termed in sort of um, uh, some circles as deconstruction. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the topic. Is uh, the subtitle is how to question your faith without losing it. And I thought that the reason I recommend it is because I thought he did such a great way, a great job of identifying where deconstruction often comes from. Mm -hmm. And but then and and sort of defining it, and then journeying, helping people journey through uh, deconstruction because yeah. um, it's a it can be a painful, painful thing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Have you gone through seasons of deconstruction? Yes. In fact, um, yeah. yeah. In fact, one of the one of the questions I want to that phrase deconstruction um, gets thrown around a bunch today. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what's going on with that? Yeah, I think the. If I were to try to define it, it's questioning tenants that you've been given, but for whatever reason are starting to relook at, mm. rethink, um, and struggle with. Yeah. So this is not, just to be clear, deconstruction is not just something that people go through in their 20s. I met with a gentleman from our church uh, last week who is in his mid to late 60s. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, Ryan, I'm a scientist mm -hmm. and I read Genesis one and it doesn't mesh up yeah. with what I know this, his language with, with what I know to be true, what I know as a scientist. Okay. And so I said, well, tell me how you're reading Genesis one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so we had a great talk, but it, it's, it's shaking his faith. And um, so this isn't something that just young people or people in their 20s or people sort of differentiating from family and spreading their wings a little bit, as it were, and going, I'm not sure I believe what my parents believe. This is people who are academics going back to the scriptures and going, I'm not sure how to make sense of some of the things that I read in this book in light of the world that I see. Yeah. So, cause here's, here's the way I, I think about it in the sense that, that, um, deconstruction and, and I think this is, this is important. Deconstruction is, is something that can be done in faith because the, what, what yeah, keep going. the other, um, the other option is bulldozer. Right. Right. So like, OK, bulldozering faith or, or just getting rid of it or collapsing it or whatever it is. If 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 you think of the, you know, our belief system as a structure and a house that is built. Right. And often people think about the foundations. If you just pull out one of those foundations and the whole thing, you know, some people think the whole thing collapses. Mm -hmm. What where this is getting at is, no, maybe I can take out these pieces and maybe I can question this thing and maybe I don't have to lose the whole structure, mm -hmm. but I can deconstruct it in a way that is then going to reconstruct. Well, and I think that's the, that's where the money's at, right? Mm. Like I told our interns yesterday, because people, one, one person asked, we did a Q and A session. They said, well, what are you reading? I told them a little bit about this book, but one of the things I said was deconstruction is sort of easy. Like mm, in the sense of yeah. like, even you just think about deconstructing or demolishing a house like yeah. that, the easy, it's oh, easier to yeah. do that than it is to build. 
Absolutely. I think reconstruction's where the money's at. Yeah. Um, but to your point, Josh, uh, he included a quote from Oswald Chambers in here. And then uh, uh, I call him Ozzy. Ozzy <laughs> once wrote, doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he is thinking. Oh, man. And so that idea hey, of, man. I, I think sometimes, like right now in, in sort of our our moment, our cultural moment, there is a fear within the church of people deconstructing. Huh, yeah. And um, they, are they going to leave the church? Are they ever going to come back to their faith? Yeah. Um, and But I, I, I think as Jesus followers, like we don't, people don't need to deconstruct unnecessarily, but an honest theological journey is really important to a vital life of faith. I mean, mm -hmm. like, I don't, we can't walk with Jesus intimately if we don't walk with him in honesty. And one of the things that he did a great job pointing out in the first part of this book, um, he's, he's talking about the way that both conservative Christians and progressive Christians mm -hmm. often miss the boat. Mm -hmm. And here's what he said. He said, well, what's one to do? Conservative Christianity critiques the new questions. Progressive Christianity scoffs at old answers. This rips hmm. apart people That's like right. these uh, folks that he talked about in the book. One demonizes doubt. The other demands it. How great That's of a right. line is that? Uh, That's worth the whole book. That totally like, is. Th that perspective of like either to either demonize doubt or to demand, demand doubt. It. Both of those miss the boat. Huh. He says the goal, of course, is not to run away from deconstruction nor to run toward it. The goal is Jesus Christ and nothing less. It is Christ's kingdom and God's rule and reign in all things. It's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The goal is a life of deep passion for what God has said and an actual commitment to the way of justice and loving kindness it demands. The goal is the rule and reign of God made manifest for those with questions and those without. A place where doubting Thomas can run and touch the scars of a living God and yes. go and then transform an entire nation. Yes. Oh, come on, AJ. So good. That's so, so good. That um, is so great. I love that. One of the things that I really, that I think is he, he had a whole section, a whole um, chapter on community and deconstructing and community. Yeah. And I thought he was really interesting. It was really interesting to hear him say. So I'm reading this obviously as a pastor and just giving my hearty amen to um to the this part of the book, especially because he said, you know, when people start deconstructing, they often feel like they have to go outside of their <sighs> circles in order to yes. do it. They have to go to podcasts rather than to pastors, pastors that they actually yes. know. And so I guess what I, my heartbeat is that this would be a safe place for people that are yeah. having questions and that may be doubting yeah. and that we would be safe people to say, yeah. Hey, I'm a scientist and I'm reading Genesis one and I don't get it. hundred percent. And so I just thought the grounding in, in community as people not only deconstruct, but, but Lord willing, reconstruct, mm -hmm. right? I mean, as he said, the point is Jesus and his kingdom, um, that that would be done in real person, yes, like person-to-person -person community. Yes. 
yeah, this is this is something I love. I I've got a, a number of guys that I uh, meet with in council, uh, or uh, at least, or sometimes a little bit more informal, sometimes more formal. But um, they're going through this, and I just love being there for them, telling them, uh, reminding them that it's okay, that mm-hmm. you, that you're in a, a safe place, and you can do this faithfully. And and they are. That's what yeah. I love about it. And they're yeah. and they're and they're asking hard questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, but and that's the thing. There's there's been every question that you've had, every doubt that you have, um, has been has been had. You know, that same doubt has been had by by people much smarter than than I, <laughs> um, you know, much smarter than us. That those people um, have had those thoughts, and then they've. They've provided some good advice and answers in it. Times have said, yeah, that's just not something we can answer here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Yeah. And and so we just may not know, but the goal is not knowing an answer. The goal is knowing a person. Yeah. And that person cannot be summed up in any, you know, one answer, right? right? No, no matter what, it, no book can can. <laughs> can contain Jesus. Right. Well, I, I think, you know, for the early church, they, they just kept going back to resurrection, resurrection. That was one of the things that this man and I talked about was that, um, Hmm. for the early church, they, they were based around an event. Yeah. And that was, that was the center point of their faith. And you read back through the testimony of, um, the disciples and the apostles they are going, well, he was dead and he's alive yeah. and that shaped everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I highly recommend this book, uh, especially if you're someone who, um, is wrestling with doubt. If you're in a process of deconstruction, some call it, um, or if you have friends or kids that are, I'd, I'd think, um, AJ is a good traveling companion yeah. down that road because he is, um, He's orthodox. He is a strong conservative follower of Jesus who believes in the scriptures and um, also is doing a great job engaging people in our current culture. I so, love it. I love it. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan brought a book. Ryan brought a book. <laughs> <laughs> and that was our first segment. That was good. That, that was, was good. Yeah, there, there we go. go. Yeah. That was a good choice. So. Um, all right, everybody. Well, uh, we got to get to a, a little event. We do. And so, and we got to, you know, you'll stay here with us all night long. I know you will. I know you will. Thank you so much for <laughs> for staying with us. Or maybe you'll say, well, it's enough, guys. Yeah. It's enough. And so, and I, I guess so we'll say that for you. Yeah, we'll just do it. We'll just cut it off now. We'll end this, okay? All right, that's a little dramatic, but um, but anyway, thank you so much for everybody who's joined in. I know there was actually a bunch of comments today, and uh, I didn't even get to add them in, but to Gwen and Connie and Carolyn, uh, Rebecca, so I mean, a bunch of you for joining in. Thank you so much. Um, it's always a pleasure, and like always, uh, if anything comes up, and and this is this is so true. Anything. Um, if you're a scientist out there who just has a question, if you're, you know, if you're out there and you're new to this and you just have a question about anything, we'd love to, we'd love to, to talk about it. We don't have to say who you are that wrote that. Um, it could be a doubting question Yeah, and we can, we can dive in and try to, try to handle it. Yep. And, and if not, 
We'll find something to talk about. We will. We'll find a lot to talk do. about. Yeah. We always do because there's a there is a wealth of of uh, information in in uh, in this book. So much that we can talk about in in the scriptures, and so we're thankful to uh, to play this part. And Ryan, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Josh. It was thank fun. Thank you. All right. God bless everybody. Bye, bless. Bye guys. Bye.